0: The correct Jordan-Hare Stadium time is 8.29 p.m. Central Standard Time. Your digital audio device is tuned to the Orange and True podcast harbored by collegeofmagnolia.com. Greetings and salutations, Orange and Truthers. It's I, Drew Croson, at Crow 2 on Twitter. You can find me at Crow on Venmo. To one side of me, the rumor monger, Ryan Starrett, at Ryan S. Starrett. The S stands for show notes, optional. No
1: show notes. The S stands for Sharif because I saw him uh, hit a three from midcourt today in practice, and I, I want to see that in the game now.
0: It was an Instagram story video of <laughs> someone else's laptop. So, about as high quality as it's gotten so far. To the other side of me, uh, a guy who really loves giving you that Fort ASM ASMR you pay us so much money for. Yeah, you, Chief.
3: I'll see you in the beginning, my friend.
0: And special guest, friend of the podcast, owner, operator, proprietor of the Auburn Observer, Justin Ferguson. Justin, how are you?
2: I'm making it, man. It's 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 that time of year where you're just like, all right, can we get can we get to whatever this is afterwards? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for it. Christmas was great. Let's just let's just push on ahead. I think I think Bowl Week's getting to me. Where the weirdest bowl ever is about to happen. Yeah, and I'm just like. Does anyone care? The Citrus Bowl. Nope.
3: No one cares.
2: Guys, no one.
0: This is, it reminds me of a, I think it's a Waylon Jennings song. So if we make it through December. If we make it through December, mm-hmm. Auburn will have a new football coach. We'll probably start hiring some assistant coaches and coordinators. And Justin will have some of that sweet, sweet content to provide to his loyal subscribers. And you should be one of those subscribers if you're not already for this low, low price of $69 a year justin is that correct
2: <laughs> actually it's 60 uh mm-hmm. it's, it's actually sixty 60 a year uh, if you want to give 69 dollars a year i'll like you know tweet at you or something that'd be that'd be dope <laughs> it'd be um, a much nicer price it would be a nicer price and i would be lying if i said that didn't actually pop into my head at one point during the during the building process i believe uh i believe the guys at defector have a have a mm. tier that's like 69 dollars a year <laughs> and it's like yeah that makes sense, oh, but Perfect. no, it's uh, it's sixty dollars a year or six dollars a month if you just want to try it out. And uh, yeah, it's uh, a lot of people jumped on board. It's been a really good, it's been a really good year for for all of the weirdness and all of the badness of twenty twenty. Yes. It's been it's been a fun it's been a fun few months.
0: Yeah, and I
2: think this
0: bowl week, like you mentioned, the weirdest bowl week ever. Like, the uh,
2: Kevin Steele is coaching the bowl game. hmm What do you, like, and Chad uh, Morris. God. Like, Chad Morris is going to be calling plays on offense. Like, he's still there. I think people haven't, ha, haven't realized that one yet. And
0: those guys have got to be, like, auditioning for future employment. Like, that's got to be what they, they're they
2: thinking. One would think. And, and so, you know, I get, I get tweets all the time, and, and I get it, and I get why people are asking. They're like, what are you hearing about the new staff? And I'm like, guys, they've got a football game to play on Friday. Like, yeah. they're not going to do anything until after that you might hear some things beforehand, but like guys could still be retained guys could still be not like Hartson's going to be around. And so that that's going to be an, an interesting thing as well. Like South Carolina fired will Muschamp in the middle of the season. And just recently um they just announced who Shane Beamer was retaining on a the staff there. Like and he's and most of slouch. the staff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Including Mike. <laughs> when Bova. you do that, you're like, you probably made the right decision. Good job, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of money to get rid of like a couple of people yeah which was all almost think there what will be a did.
1: press conference at 10 p.m New Year's Eve saying who they're keeping
2: I would love it honestly <laughs> as someone as someone who doesn't do anything especially during during covid would um, just be like you know uh, put the most inopportune times to have these press conferences <laughs> and, I'll, and, and I'll be honest and I'll be honest with you guys there was a lot of there's a lot of grief going around about that and but I, I wrote it the other day I was like um, it doesn't matter. Like, they, like for us in the media, and I use that term loosely for, for me, um, like, that press conference was live streamed. Anybody could watch it. This was right. Brian Harson talking to the fans. That's right. all that mattered. Like, we barely got, like, I didn't get to ask a question. Only a few of us got to ask questions at the end. Because like, what's he going right to say right now? Some people got to wish him a
3: merry Christmas. Yeah.
2: <laughs> some, <laughs> people, some people got to immediately jump on and remind them that they that they are in Birmingham and that they are sworn to ask about the Crimson Tide at all at all costs. Yeah. So yeah. like, it, it was one of those things where like, I understand people were upset, but I was also like, yeah, this is a this is a this is a TV show almost for Auburn fans. Yeah. It's like, who the heck? You had no idea who this guy was a few days earlier. Here you I, go.
3: Honestly, what what are you? What is everybody doing at two thirty in the afternoon on Christmas Eve anyway, or whatever time it was? It was like
0: the funniest oh, yeah. thought was to me was like, what is the question that these guys like that you guys think? Oh heck yeah! If I get if it's my turn, I'm going to ask him this question that's going to really I was, I, make him answer.
2: I'll be honest with you, he was not going into any specifics. No. Obviously, he wasn't going into any – it was very generic. I'm the new coach. Here's he what you need to know about He doesn't me. know
0: what he's doing.
2: He yet. may have Probably. never been to Alabama
0: before. The
3: state.
2: Right, exactly. Exactly. My question, if I, if they would have gotten to me in line, my question was going to be, what does having a fourth da- fourth and one mentality mean? Like what? Like how do you apply that? Because people were tweeting about it. Like what does that even mean? That like sounds cool. And I was like, all right, well, we'll, we'll ask him. But but then it's, it's you're gonna only get like motivational, you know, generic right. program building you know big picture stuff like that so um there will be plenty of time to talk to him about specifics yeah and we're about to go through a weird off season again
1: yeah, yeah hopefully fourth and one mentality doesn't mean getting uh, shoved 2 yards off the line by LSU at home i hope and it means he goes for it on every fourth converting. and one i am i into that Just go for it every single time
2: spinning fullback
0: wildcat catch. yes Whatever. go for it every time oh never guys. punt onside kick
2: every time
3: so we're not going to see a uh, ton of wildcat anymore
2: right he does not seem to be a wildcat believe <laughs> yeah
0: now chief we've I've, I've gone into this in depth wildcat is was auburn's most successful formation under gus malzahn more touchdowns were scored a wildcat by percentage than any other formation uh, I what they're there for yeah <laughs>
3: what else are we doing it's here touchdown if it's not scoring
2: touchdowns it's touchdown play yeah, yeah. He, he, now he will throw he will throw literally every other formation at you, but I, I have not noticed a ton of wildcat in, in what I've seen from his past Boise State offenses. He also loves, I did
1: see the the double handoff play, which I'm excited about. He loves trick plays. Double
2: handoff with two H bags <laughs> standing next to each other. Still, had, still, still trying to figure out that play.
3: I hope I hope like uh, he's not like every other uh, coach that takes a big job and gets is known as the trick play guy and then just gets that ground out of him like like yeah. Tuberville, Tuberville was the riverboat gambler and yes.
2: by, yeah, Gus yeah Gus conservative coach ever
3: yeah, yeah. and uh, Ron Rivera was riverboat Ron and he yeah. became super conservative uh, you know not that long into his uh, career as head coach of the Panthers so.
2: Yeah, it's weird that it's weird that we're talking like you know these these gambling coaches now and the ones that go for it that have these reputations and like I, statistically like John Harbaugh's the most bold head coach <laughs> in the NFL. Yeah, and it's like oh the boring Harbaugh brother is yeah. yeah. It's, it's well, the one that's spicy. Well, the but one you
0: don't you don't want a Shaka Smart situation where right. Shaka Smart got to Texas and decided to quit running. Yeah, the crazy press an offense that he ran that got him to Texas because he was like, it's hard to recruit blue chip players to want to play in this crazy system. Well, listen, uh-huh. champ, you were put here because of that system. Like,
2: And there's an Auburn angle to that too. I think, I think coach Flo ran into the same thing at, yeah. with the women's basketball team here. They had a system that they stuck to. And then, they went away from that in recruiting to get bigger name players mm-hmm. and bigger name recruits, and it did not work. And she flat out said, "We got the wrong players. Mm-hmm. We have to start start over." And now they're off to a pretty good start this year. You know, yeah. you know speaking, you know, considering where they've been the last couple of years, because they're going back to that style again. And like, yeah, you kind of have to you you, you kind of have to do that, you know, from time to time. So um, you got to get think, the players for your Bruce system doing that as well. Yeah, yeah. Be Rick Patino. don't be Shaka Smart. Rick yes.
3: Patino, who who uh, took the job with the Celtics and was like, I'm going to press yeah. all the time.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm going I'm to do the one thing that no NBA team has ever been able to do. Yeah. probably cost him you know,
3: his NBA career. Yeah. But, hey, don't okay. be Rick well, If we wanted if Rick Patino, know, we
1: could have hired Hugh Freeze. Yeah. Just be yourself is all I'm saying.
2: Man, man doesn't know how to take a knee. I
0: once asked a coach friend of mine, like, when I was a kid, I asked, one of my high school coaches like why why don't nba teams press and he was like you should watch an Allen iverson game and then try to explain to me how
2: yeah <laughs> how you press oh, that yeah. guy <laughs>
0: yeah to be a waste we of
2: we had uh so in high school we played we played full court press had a set of offense we just ran everything out of like secondary breaks and stuff like that yeah. and just kind of freelanced a lot just because all we did was try to force turnovers and yeah there'd be questions like it's like why don't we do what like all like these other teams it's like those other those other teams you can't ask those type of people to do that like when i was when i was a junior when i was a junior in high school uh we played uh we, we we were in the same region as uh kt harrell and Brewbaker Tech was. And like KT was a five star. Tech was like nationally ranked. <laughs> we tried to run that crap against them. They uh, had <laughs> like three D1 players. <laughs> and no. it's just like, it's like, well, why can't we just pull it out and like try to do what they do? It's like, yeah, if we tried to do what they do, they would beat us by 80. Like, yeah. this is. <laughs> well, they're beating D1. you either way. <laughs> yeah. Take your medicine. Do you just want to be annoying while you're playing, <laughs> while yeah. you're getting beat? <laughs> That's the whole style. So
0: let's talk a little bit more about style, about, about Harson's. Like mm-hmm. on your podcast, your excellent podcast with Panor Sharpless, in which you. you discuss the higher um we we recorded a podcast at the exact same time, by the way, because I listened sure to did. yours and the news of Turbo Jones transferring hit in the middle of your recording, I was like, Oh, it hit yep. in the middle of ours too. Yep. Um yep. But yours, uh, you mentioned that Harson's offense is difficult to describe because he runs so many different formations. And but it's not like it's slow, but it's yeah. definitely different than what we're used to. It's not. It's just right. not throwing the ball across the yard either.
2: So there's a meme among people who cover college football is like you get to a press conference and the new coach says we're going to be multiple, multiple, offense. yeah. <laughs> You know we're gonna be attacking our defense. We're gonna be multiple on offense, and it's like everybody says that, but like Boise State's one of the few teams that truly are multiple um, on offense because they will throw everything at you, and, and 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 you have to. Like it was out of necessity at Boise State because you get the players who you can get, and then he takes what who he can get, and like like we have something for you. Are you good at this? Well, we'll start calling plays like this out of formations like this that you're good at because we can we can. It's very adaptable, which I think is going to be interesting with SEC talent. Um, everything. Like, you are going to see, if it's like he was at, at Boise State, and there's going to be some transition, obviously, um, but there's a lot of, you know, you'll, they'll go five wide, and then they'll go under center. Like, yes, you're going to see Auburn go under center again. Uh, you're going to see quarterback sneaks out of out of under center sets. You're going to see them run out of, you know, four wide, four and five wide, you're gonna see them, you know, take deep shots out of out of power sets. Like they their whole goal is every blade of grass or blue turf can be used and every player who has an eligible receiver number can either be running the ball, catching the ball, or even sometimes throwing the ball because it's all about keeping you off balance. Cause at Boise State, their whole mantra was you know, even though they're like against Mountain West teams, they were really, really talented. But like when they wanted to beat the Washingtons and the and the Georges and you know all this of the world, uh, the Oklahomas, they can't just run up and out talent anybody. They're in the middle of nowhere. They have to go. They have to work really, really hard to get recru- recru- recruits yeah. in. So it's all about keeping everybody off balance, and that's where the Auburn thing makes it, why part of the reason I think he's at Auburn is is that at Auburn you're going to be a top fifteen team in talent. That probably means you're going to be a top six or seven team in the SEC in terms of talent. So what are you going to do to overcome the fact that Alabama, Georgia, usually Florida, usually LSU, usually Texas A&M all have more talent than you, you know, most of the time. But you're still a really, really good football team. So you have to have some underdog tactics. And like nobody has been more consistent and unpredictable with their underdog tactics on the offensive side of the ball than Boise State under Brian Harson. And that goes back to when he was a coordinator under Chris Peterson.
0: So he's less. He's he's not a Gus. Hurry up, no huddle. But he's also not a Jimbo Fisher. Mm-mm. Weird eye formation. Grind the game down to a powder.
2: They they run like what I would call NFL tempo. And the fact that they it's very it goes it varies. Yeah. You know, there's different levels of it. There was a thing that went around a few months ago where people were breaking down like how the Patriots call tempo and like the seven different versions of tempo they call it's, it's, it's like that. Sometimes they will go full hammer down, you know, no huddle, you know, let's get out there at warp speed, the NASCAR style. And then sometimes they're going to take their time. They're going to sit back. They're going to work the clock. They'll go. It, it's all about keeping people off balance because especially in this day and age, if you go full speed, defenses are kind of used to that at that point. And the one thing about going full speed that quickly is that, it can be predictable on offense. You kind of limit yourself on what you can do with the substitutions and the formations. And that's the thing about the Gus offense, right? When it works, it blew everybody out of the water yep. because it's so effective. But when it's not working, it can be pretty predictable. You kind of yeah. can know what, what's coming. And now you bring in a guy whose whole thing is we're going to make sure no one knows what's coming. And that's, that's been his MO at Boise state. And I think that's what he's going to try to bring to Auburn. It's very exciting.
0: Yeah, I'm. Um, I, I'm, ex- I, I'm also excited, but also managing yeah. my expectations. I'm hoping, trying to manage my expectations because life is well, about managing
2: expectations.
3: It's like we knew he was coming because we uh, <laughs> recruited all these tight ends for the last year. A lot of beef yeah, in that room.
2: My favorite stat that I that I got from my story that is that Auburn has had one tight end uh, in the last ten years um, catch double digit passes in a season, like a true tight end. That was CJ Uzama. Uh, who did it in? Or not ten years? The Miles air, so eight years. Um, who did it in fourteen? Boise State every year under Harson had two tight ends catch double-digit passes every single year. They use tight ends like there was. A, there were a couple plays that I saw on there where they just were like, "All right, here we go." Thirteen personnel. We're gonna run three tight ends on the field. What are you gonna do with it? And it's like, and they'll they'll take deep shots out of it, and they'll do. I mean, guys are Swiss Army knives. The guy who. The guy who split time with Joey Gatewood at quarterback in, in Jacksonville went to Boise State, didn't work out as a quarterback there, ended up going and playing tight end. And, like, they run tight end sweeps sometimes. Like, they do, they do a bunch of just wild stuff. Like, they've got a big old dude, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. they got a dude who's very J.J. Pegues-like. I was about to say. They're going to move so him around and do a bunch of weird stuff with him.
0: I hope he throws for 10 yards in a game. It's a 10-yard <laughs> touchdown for J.J. Pegues. <laughs>
3: Harson's got to be uh, licking his lips, thinking about JJ Pegues right now because Who that isn't? dude can do anything.
2: He, he, so they have JJ Pegues, they have a Brandon Fraser. So here you go, six, seven tie in that mm-hmm. you can try it. John Samoshenker is still around. D- oh, Luke you Deal can. had a really good season as a blocker. Grant is coming in. You still have Tyler From. You you also brought in Landon King. There's seven tight ends could be on this roster next year. One and of these like, guys is moving to fullback, though, right? <laughs> that's the other thing. Is like I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of go under center some sets and just tell Luke Deal hey, just hit the hit the linebacker as hard as humanly possible and let you know Tank or somebody run behind him.
3: Mm-hmm. It's, it's,
2: it's just, I mean. It's a It's an easy thing and I've said it a couple times now on different podcasts and including the one that, that the crow was talking about. Um, the thing I, I always point back to is uh, is my dad on NCAA 14 always played with the Boise State Playbook because it had everything. And you watch Boise State play football under Brian Harson, it's like, yep, that's where it kind of mirrors your life. They do everything. They will It is kind of NFL-ish in terms of like, all right, you know we can go under center. We can play fast. We can play slow. We can spread it out. You know we can do all these different things. And the and the great experiment, the great Brian Harson experiment, is all right. You were super consistent doing that. You had a well-established floor. You were really really good at getting a bunch of wins. You you played above your 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 you know <laughs> your fighting weight over and over again at Boise State. All right, we're going to give you SEC talent and SEC resources. What can you do with it? And that's that's the experiment. Can you do what Gus was not able to do, which is be consistent. Not to say that Gus didn't have his high moments. It's like, all right, let's just not, let's just not drop off nearly as much is is right. the thing. And you couldn't find a more consistent coach to go out and get unless his name is you know, Nick Saban or Dabo Swinney, and I don't think you're going to get either of those.
0: The worr—the wor- worrying issue is mm-hmm. what you're describing seems to be the opposite of a plug-and-play offense. Like It mm. sounds like it's going to take months and months and months of prep for guys, for a Bo Nix or a Tank Bigsby to learn this offense.
2: The transition is going to be fascinating.
0: Yeah. And they the don't trans- have a normal offseason to do it in.
2: Hopefully we'll get closer to a normal offseason this year. But, yeah, like it's not going to be – still not going to be as normal. Um, I will say this. The one thing that, that you can kind of counter with that is, is like I said earlier, it's very adaptable. So, like, if it might not be the full kitchen sink already, but it's mm-hmm. like the parts of the kitchen sink that work well with Auburn – and that they kind of can be familiar with from time to time, like doing stuff like kind of wing TE kind of stuff out of the shotgun, going, you know, going, you know, 10 personnel a lot, like and playing fast that way. I would expect him to kind of mix it and like gradually kind of mix in some stuff like that. Um, But it's adaptable. And and one of the things, and one of my buddies who I used to work with at the Athletic, he got laid off the same time I did, just cover Boise State. He was... We were talking, and I've read some stuff from him in the past where he's talked about one of the things that Boise State did really did a really good job of, under um, you know, under Harson is is that if they brought a player in and they were good at something, they would just build something to make it work for him. And, and the in the criticism of the Gus offense, like I said, it when it was when it worked, it worked. The criticism of the Gus offense is you had to play a role, and it, yeah. it, it's he literally wrote a book on it. Like every, it's why people like me can sit there and like act like experts of the Gus Malzahn offense yeah. <laughs> because. It didn't necessarily change the time, right? So his whole thing was, is like, it, you know, what what Dave was telling me is like at Boise State, they did a really good job of like, they got like a five foot eight, you know, receiver. I was like, all right, what are we going to do with this guy? Well, he's not necessarily super fast, but he's really good at catching, you know, really good at catching balls in traffic. Like he was just a really hard to cover slot receiver who had really sure hands, so they built like a lot of third and short packages about just getting him the ball. Like they just worked on a lot of quick stuff with him, and and it's just build the offense around that. So I think it's going to take when he comes in and realizes who his roster is going to be and what all that's going to comprise of, then it kind of goes to work saying, all right, what fits Bo next? What fits Tank Bigsby? What fits whatever receivers are left? What fits our offensive line? What fits all these tight ends? And then try to cobble it together because this doesn't seem like an offense is like, well, if you can't do this, we don't have a spot for you. Like, they'll, they'll throw it and run it with pretty much anybody, like I said. And they go very deep. And does he call the plays? He did. I don't think he – he hasn't recently. But he, there was a stretch at Boise State where he did. I would not expect him to call plays at Auburn just so, because it's a new thing and yeah. there's a it's a big jump to make.
0: Yeah. So his OC, whoever it is who brings in, will uh-huh. need to be able to basically put in this massive – package of plays in the call it's
2: it's gonna be interesting to see because i think they have yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a transition and it was a transition to the chad morris offense like as much as it kind of looked like i said pretty similar there were some new tweaks and stuff in there that they threw in that were very not malzani um that they had to learn and like that was a big thing this offseason was how much they had to quote learn a new offense and so it'll be an even bigger transition i think this year
1: yeah how much of the offense is going to be predicated on whoever the offensive coordinator is, and how much of it is Harson's offense, though?
2: That's a great question. And I think it depends on who it's going to be because so much of his staff is a lot of people are asking, like, what does this mean for recruiting? How many SEC guys is he going to bring in? You got to know the area. Coordinator would be a very interesting hire in that regard um, because I think, you know, He had a track record at Boise State of different, and he had several different offense coordinators. He was an offense coordinator itself. But that MO of still, you know, be be multiple, spread things out, do a lot of different things, kind of carried over no matter what. So it might have a different flavor depending on who the offensive coordinator is. But I fully expect we would see kind of that, you know, that that, that truly multiple philosophy still carry over. So
0: gun to your head, is Bo Nix starting quarterback week one? next
2: year <laughs> that's a great question um yeah probably but um look man Demetrius davis is enrolling early he's real good i don't know if y'all know that yet he's real good i watched his last and if, game and if you want to like hit a if you want to like hit a reset button and like there's going to be high expectations no matter what at auburn doesn't matter who you are Because like if they go eight and four next year or whatever, it's gonna be like, why do we get rid of Gus to do this again? Like, you're gonna hear that anyway. But like going to another quarterback would help you out a little bit in terms of like, hey, we're starting over. But I, I think there's I think there's room for Bonex to to do well in offense so because he's had a very wide range of different types of quarterbacks in his systems. And specifically seeing a lot what they do with guys like rolling out. You know, running the quarterbacks, uh, some, uh, some as well. the The quick game, and also just trying to develop that that deep ball that he needs to get uh, Tyre tie up on the play action work they do. They do a lot of play action, which Bo has been pretty good at in his career when they go to it. There's, there's, there's potential for Bo to be a good quarterback under Brian Harson. It's just, it's not going to be like the challenge just got. He was as soon as, as soon as Joey left, it was him. Like they could have bring it. Everybody wants to talk about Cord. Everybody wants to talk about. Uh, everybody wants to talk about the the kid they brought in for Bowling Green. They want to, They want to do all that. They want to do all that stuff. The challenge steps up because now you're getting the winningest quarterback in Texas high school football history, coming right 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 in and saying, "All right, here's what I'm really good at." And he, <laughs> you know,
0: he Justin. I've watched now two of his games on the TV here because they're they mm-hmm. broadcast them live in the playoffs, and he's not just good. He is like. No – like, there's no, like, sniff of stress. Mm-hmm. He, he just nice. walks around the field like, this is my field. We're not going to lose. We hadn't lost a game now in 28 straight. Yeah. So, th- like, last week, they got – they were up big, and then the team came back on him. He didn't even change facial expressions. He went out there and just balled out again, threw a couple more touchdowns, ran for one, won the game big. Like, it, it, he is a clin- like a clinical – assassin on
1: yeah. the field. He's Sounds like my, my favorite quarterback, Nick Marshall. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it is, it is the thick Marshall This is not – we, we are going to get his stick. We're I'm not saying
0: Nick Marshall-esque in terms – he didn't have like dead face. More mm-hmm. like – I don't know, if, Ryan, you don't remember this, but there was a guy who played quarterback for the Falcons named Michael Vick. And bell? <laughs> <and> Michael Vick, <laughs> uh, his rookie year used to like – I remember his first game. He walked down on the field and pulled like chapstick out of his helmet and put some chapstick on, and then put it back in his helmet before he took his first snap. Like just the the yeah. I'm so cool. I got chapstick in my helmet because I know I'm not going to get hit that hard. That's what Demetrius Davis reminded me of. Like it, it, this ain't that big of a deal, guys. I, we're going to win this game.
2: He's got that demeanor, and like on the field, he's so he runs so smoothly, and like. He's got that kind of the first guy's gonna miss every time. Like I've rarely seen him get tackled on first contact. I'll just call it what it is. And this is a high, this is a high and lofty comparison to make. And he's got a lot of pressure on him, like Bo had, and like a, any other really good quarterback will ever have. But I'm just gonna say, dude plays like Lamar Jackson. He looks like Lamar Jackson when he plays. That is a that is he looks he the way he runs and the way he kind of you know it's just it's very Lamar esque in terms yeah. of like. When he tucks it and goes, watch out because he's going to be hard to bring down, and he's going to have a hard. He's going to he's going to make your life pretty miserable in a, in a variety of ways. Now he's also got the Lamar thing in that he's not the most, you know, flawless passer in the world. He's got doesn't have a giant arm or anything like that, but he gets the job done. He he really he really does get the job done, and I think with with proper coaching at the at the college level, they could he could really be unleashed. I mean, I think Auburn got their second chance at a Lamar Jackson type of player, except for this Lamar Jackson has been through the fire at playing at the second-best high school in the country, the highest classification to Texas, and winning state championships left and right.
0: He played in front of, like, 15,000 people the other day. Like <laughs> during it, COVID. During COVID. And it's like this – and that's kind of a normal thing for that school. Like, North Shore is a oh, yeah. factory.
2: Massive. 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 They, they put out so much talent there. And, yeah, the only team – that you could say is probably better than them in high school football in the in the country, is IMG, which is literally an academy yeah. just for football players to come in and play. Like, North Shore's we a, can say that about we can say that about other places, but like that is literally their purpose. North as, a public a school.
3: school. So every time this comes up, I have to ask, why is he coming to Auburn?
2: Right, like he loves and, it, it too. He like, loves that it. That was the, that was the thing when when they fired Gus. And I don't know about y'all. I don't think Chad Morris is going to be the offensive coordinator at Auburn in <laughs> no. 2021. I don't. I don't, I don't think that. So. And he was a Chad guy, right? Right. I was surprised that he was just all on board. He, he, was, he like, was like the I'm first one. That's like I'm signing. To, I'm signing yeah, on Tuesday. I'm, so it's wild, man. <laughs> like he, other like bigger name programs, that weren't going like in Texas. Like in Texas, they've got to get the five star they got to get the golden arm guy yeah. like they have to get that kind of a and m's got a little bit of that too especially with jimbo now um so i think in state wise he kind of gets because he's not tall he's 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 he, he doesn't have the build of a normal quarterback and like he would like a and m jimbo fisher would have no idea what to do with that guy like yeah. it, he, he'd move him to wide receiver like right. <laughs> like he would have no idea what to do and like Texas has been like really hard after Quinn, Quinn Ewers or however you pronounce his name. Like all those all those five star guys, I think it's just one. Of, I mean, he was committed to Virginia Tech. Like it took Auburn a little while to get on board with him. I think it's just like, you know, it, people are people just say, ah, well, you know, does he have the traits? I think it's just you know, elite programs falling in love with traits more than anything because he doesn't necessarily go to these camps and ball out. Um, you know, he's gotten knocked a little bit. Like Elite 11 and stuff like that. He's like, oh, well, he doesn't have as much zip on the ball, you know, stuff like that. And it's just like, yeah, but like he wins a lot of football games and he's very hard to tackle. Like He I, has won
0: can... 28 straight football games.
2: He has won more football games in the state of Texas than Kyler Murray. Yeah. That
0: is absurd. And Kyler Murray won four state championships. <laughs> and
2: Kyler and this never is, lost.
0: Got... <laughs> Kyler never lost. And this dude's about to win his fourth. If he wins uh-huh. two, three more games, he's in the elite eight this weekend. Good God! How long do those playoffs go?
2: Well, yeah, they go for a
0: while. There's a lot of schools, chief.
2: And Texas Jesus. started late too, and we right and yeah,
0: state Ro- started super late.
2: I think Georgia's still kind of going through. yeah,
1: Georgia State championships on the thirtieth.
0: Usually, Christmas we'll Eve is like that's like the state championships. It's like the week of Christmas, so we're they're about two weeks behind. Okay.
2: Yeah, oh, Alabama, sure. we just got Alabama. We got this done early. We we're like, yeah, we're done. I mean, they were playing. <laughs> the first high school game I covered this year was like in late August. I was, yeah. <laughs> I remember the other day, it was like, it was like brutally hot. <laughs> when, Do when you I remember to cover football
1: this year?
0: Remember the early days of COVID when no one knew what the heck was going on, and
2: we still don't. But.
0: We still don't. But the initial, the early thought was, oh, I bet hot weather will kill this virus, and then there was somebody in the NCAA it leaked that there was this rumor going around of a summer college football, moving the college football season up to kicking, it's just starting in July. And it got shot down because everyone was like, oh, Auburn versus LSU in the third week of July. It's a terrible idea. Like this is, <laughs> someone's going to die. Tailgating.
2: So Auburn LSU on the, in the fourth circle of hell. Like yeah. just, you know, here we go. You just have it's, to play every game at night.
3: If you did they should have yeah.
2: done basketball. Just push the tournament to like the summer or something. Yeah. But, We were all still super freaked out. No one knew what because it was like
0: the the tournament was canceled and everybody was like, we're never going to play sports again in person. (laughs) And then like three weeks later, it was like, no, man, let's just play them in the summer. It's like
1: somebody make up their minds. And then we got into the season in which we had. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back. We'll talk a little hoops. And we're back 32 minutes exactly into this podcast. If you're still listening, it's me, of Crow, Ryan Starrant, the AU Chief, and guest. Always welcome guest, friend of the program, Justin Ferguson. Justin, what have you noticed about the Auburn basketball season, about, about this Auburn basketball team, that most might
2: not have noticed yet? Um, that's a really good question. I, uh, I, I, this isn't something that's like going to take anybody by surprise, and it's something I wrote about this week. This this Auburn team is one of the deepest teams in America, and like they're so deep, and they're relying on that depth because it's working. And you usually don't get that out of such a young team. Like Bruce came in early in the year, he was like, "Oh, we got to play all these guys because I got to figure out who's like separating themselves." And you had um, Justin Powell get off to a blazing start. Uh, Alan Flanagan, great offensive game to go along with what has already been a really good defensive game. Jalen Williams is as rock solid as it come on both ends of the floor. And so they got some separation, but it was, like, at the time they started separating, at the time they started finding, like, their key guys, you know, Chris Moore and Dylan Carwell and Stretch Acombole and Jamal Johnson are, like, playing their best basketball. So this is a team that it's really, really funny to see because, like, this would be the year to kind of will things down and focus in. You got some big guys coming in next year. You don't know when Sharif's coming back. Might tighten things up a little bit in the rotation. And Auburn's just embraced their depth and, like, they're a tough, they're, they have the, the third, they're the deepest rotation in the SEC and they're they play the third most bench minutes of any time. We can give minutes to all these guys because they all came back. It's like, no, we just got to figure out who's going to play. And like, oh, wow, they're playing really, really well. Let's keep giving them minutes and figuring things out. Um, so I think it's just, it's that depth that You know, I was not expecting, like, I thought at some point there was going to be kind of like a shrinking down process. Haven't really gotten that yet because the bench has played so well, and that's going to be key for them because they're going to have to rely on that to get through what is going to be a very tough SEC slate. Like, after they play Arkansas Wednesday, five of their next seven are on the road, and the two home games are going to Alabama and Kentucky at home. So, good luck.
3: I think I think we've developed uh, the opposite problem uh, in that not having enough guys that can go like we're trying to figure out, well, how do we get Javon Franklin on the floor and get him more minutes? Like it we're we don't even have enough minutes to give out at this point, which is which is kind of crazy. Like Chris Moore does
0: one thing a game that makes you go, oh, dude, he should be playing a ton. (laughs) But then so does like nine other dudes like. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, it's like. It's like Chris Moore and and Dylan Carwell especially, the energy guys off the bench, have done have they played they played such great basketball during this winning streak. And it's like, yeah, get them some more opportunities. And then you think, no, the guys ahead of him are one of them is a dude that was the most efficient player Auburn had last season, just was coming off the bench and Jalen Williams. He can do everything yeah. offensively and defensively at a high level. The other dude's six foot ten and <laughs> plays like a plays like a shooting guard. And yeah like does things like put his entire, you know, put his entire torso above the rim whenever he feels like it. Yeah. Like that's, that's when you start going like, huh. And that's the thing about Auburn. That's so fascinating to me moving forward. This year was all about development and getting guys ready for, for what's going to come up next and like figuring that out. Okay. Well, you might go 10 or 11 deep this year or you're right now you're nine or 10 deep. Sharif Cooper hasn't played yet. Jabari Smith is the best player you've ever gotten. And like, he's coming in next year. Trey Alexander is going to be awesome, I think, as a shooting guard in Bruce Pearl's system. He's going to be coming in. Like, there's still so much room, and then it's like, all right, year two of what JT Thor, year two of possibly of Justin Powell and these guys, like year two of Sharif if he comes there. That's it's it's pretty mind-boggling because it's like it's a team that these guys are all playing with high energy levels at the point where like, you know. None of them want to lose playing time. They're no. fighting yeah. their they're, li- they're fighting for their lives to get more playing time. And it's like, oh, and and it's only going to get tougher from here. And that's I think that's a sign of a great culture.
0: Well, and yeah. and Bruce is a genius to the point where this podcast's opinion is that he he hid Jalen Williams on the bench last year because yes. if he played him more, he would have gone pro. And <laughs> and we like we we stand by that. And I think that he needs to do the same thing with JT Thor. Yeah, because if oh, JT yeah. Thor starts balling out in the next couple of weeks, well,
3: he's going to put somebody on a poster
0: every game. There's no there chance he like, sticks that, around
3: because
0: his... <laughs> he's J. T. six
2: <laughs> JT Thor is the NBA scouts' dream. Oh yeah, yeah. he's yeah. He is. he's gigantic. put him on a poster, he's...
0: put him on the on the put him in front of your fan base, get him in a jersey. Great.
2: He's he's all wingspan, super athletic. He's already playing well without necessarily being like super like like. Super knowledgeable of the system yet on offense and defense. He's already playing so well. He can handle the ball. He can play face up. He's very, very much a modern power forward. A super and the young. Thing yeah, exactly. And then they're like, and he's not even supposed to be here right now. Yeah. Like, he's technically younger than the rest of these dudes. And every yeah. NBA scout's going to be like, that's who we want. Because it's all about potential. It's all about, like, look at a team like, you know, my brother's a huge uh, Oklahoma City Thunder fan. And I, so I end up watching the Thunder a lot uh, with him from from time to time. And, like, they have a team of, like, Darius Baisley and Hamadou Diallo and yeah. Lugentz Dort. where it's, like, these dudes weren't necessarily household names. They're, like, oh, yeah, but they're, like, 17 years old and can jump out of the gym. And they're, like, sign us up. And they like, got,
0: like, 30 first-round picks in the next three years. So right. So he'll probably it's all, be it's a all Thunder. Upside. It's all
2: upside. Like, JT Thor is going to be the, like, Jason Tatum's only 19. Like, he's going to be – JT Thor is going to be 18 for 10 years because that's yeah. what it's going to yeah. feel like. And you know, especially when he gets in NBA circles,
0: you can already picture him in like a thirty six button suit shaking Adam Silver's hand. Like you can already picture him doing it. Like he's he's got that build of like I mean his suit's gonna fit right. We've
3: he's seen gonna... Kevin Durant do this. Yeah, so like
2: I, mean, I I can't measure his wingspan like myself because of COVID. But like I found a wingspan measurement from him when he was a sophomore in high school, where he has the exact same dimensions as Giannis. Like, yeah. the, the exact same wingspan, the exact same height, and it's like though they're rare. They're rare for a reason. Yeah, and I remember when Auburn got him, and it was like, oh, Auburn gets this four star, this four star power forward. Like, all right, and like it, it was like, oh, that's a pretty good, big up. But everybody's like, like, yeah, Sharif, and then some of these. I think everybody was still obsessed with the Jalen Green sweepstakes and all yeah. that and sure. all that stuff. And then you get to the point, you get to the point where you start leading up on, reading up on, like. Oh, yeah, if he had stayed in his normal class, he could have been the number one player in the country yeah. in, in the 2021 class. So it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, you, you, you kind of forget how good he is sometimes. And then be like—, like there's,
0: a, there's a greater than zero chance that Auburn has two players leave after this year to the NBA draft, and those two players are Justin Powell and J.T. Thor, which is—no yeah. one would have expected that going into this year. But you watch now the first game, like, oh, yeah, those, two, those dudes are playing NBA basketball.
2: Because there's a precedent now with with Bruce Pearl guys. Because Bruce Pearl guys, you know, at, coming out of Auburn, like they, I love him to death. He was a great great dude to cover. But like, there's most guys, Jared Harper size should not be playing in the NBA. Yeah, right? that's true. But it's the fact that the preparation he got in the in the like they know what you're gonna get out of him. It's it's it's, it's he's that kind of player. They're not gonna, they're not taking five foot ten point guards from anywhere, right? So you have that. You know of what Chumo Kiki's done in his rehabilitation in Orlando. He got really good reviews, and he's off to a solid start in the NBA. And then yeah, you get a dude like Isaac Okoro where it's like, oh, this guy wasn't even supposed to be a draft pick, and we made him the number five pick after one year. Yeah. So, yeah, it's possible a dude and like he Pollard. was the
0: Cavs' best player in preseason. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So and just, that isn't hyperbole. To, he legitimately
0: was.
3: Shout out to Damon Davis for uh, getting these getting weight on these guys' frames, too, because uh, it. If you could see a, a before-and-after picture of Isaac even coming in, it, it was insane. And Thor, he put 20 freaking pounds on uh, during COVID before the season yeah. started. That's a lot uh, of PB&Js. And, and that, that helps them along, go a long way uh, uh, along with what they do on the floor. The fact that they, they get the size before they even get in, into the NBA helps out a lot.
1: Ryan, do you and have def- any
0: Arkansas stats in front of you?
1: Uh, I don't have anything on Arkansas quite yet, but before we do, I, I just want to talk about Alan Planigan because we. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, yeah, Levin, that's yeah. another guy he's, that might not be having here next an, year. Insane offensive year, and last year, I mean, I remember we sat on this podcast almost every week. It's like, yeah, he's just not ready offensively. Like he he looks like he knows what he's doing on the court, but he just doesn't have the shot, doesn't have whatever. And now it it looks like he's Isaac Okoro with a three point shot, and like he's he's this- shooting he's. Thirty nine percent from three right now, and so, this might be incredible. his team. This is his team. This yeah. is Alan Flanagan's
3: team. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. like I, I last year, I would you wouldn't have called it Isaac Okoro's team
1: despite. No, it was Samir's team last year.
3: Yeah, it was Samir's team. This is Flanagan's team. Like he's the leader, um, and uh, I and I'd like to see anybody tell him that he's
1: not. And <laughs> he's just picking me. up point guard halfway through the season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like ah. Oh. He has, but as a sophomore, he's he's one of the best offensive players through eight games that you know we've seen in a while. It's, it's impressive. He's shooting the three better than Isaac did last year. Oh, significant. I mean, he's and shooting he's, the three. Uh, I have to double check this, but I think after he's shooting, shooting it at so about poorly last year, he was last year.
2: Yeah, and uh, here's another example. Not at, not not to derail it too much. He was his shooting was rough last season. Like offensively, he just wasn't a factor whenever he's on the floor. But his defense is so good, you wanted to put him in there if you're Auburn. Yeah. Likewise, last season, Jamal Johnson was your best shooter, but in his own words, was a liability on defense. He just yeah. couldn't do it. Now Auburn is a better team on both ends of the floor with Jamal Johnson. On the, floor. <laughs> the man was plus thirty-three the other day. Yeah. <laughs> in a game where he didn't really score that much, because he just he makes things happen. And it also helps that if you're in lockdown and you're in COVID, it helps when your dad played in the NBA and was a yeah. first-round pick and was a really good wing in his own right. And he's like, hey, I'll teach you how to play defense. And he's like, all right, well, we have nothing to do for the next five months. Might as mm-hmm. well do this.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I and think... I want to ask, what specifically is he doing that is, um, that is working? I mean, I, without really knowing X and O's as, as well mm-hmm. as some of you guys do, like he's obviously, when he's on the court, Auburn is better. Like that's yeah. just a fact this year, but well, on the, on in, the offensive and the box score doesn't really show up. So, so what right. is it that he's doing? Offensively,
2: he knows what he's doing. There's so much of it. There's so much guys on the guys on the on this team that are still learning and like yeah. needing to know where to go. The fact that you can put a dude in there like him, and he knows where to be. He can help kind of set you know kind of get people in the right spot. I think that helps Auburn flow better on the offensive end. He also takes care of the ball. Like of any guard that touches the ball a decent bit for Auburn, he has the he has the lowest turnover rate on the team. defensively he just moves better. like I asked Bruce about this specifically. I was like, oh, what did he get better at? He was like, he just laterally he's just quicker. like he's, you can tell he put in the work a- athletically and physically with his dad, with the Auburn trainers with the, with all that in the offseason, say, I gotta get better at this. I can't be so stiff, you know playing all ball defense in this is, league.
3: His positioning
0: is, is what I've noticed to be way
3: better. Mm-hmm. He's in the than right so place fast.
2: all the time.
0: On both yeah. ends of the floor. He's in the yep. right place. He's where he is Meanwhile, supposed to be.
2: <laughs> Meanwhile, you have a dude like JT Thor who can get away with not being in the <laughs> right place. Yeah. Because because
3: yeah. a 7'3 yeah. 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 like, right, well he can, he, can be, he can be 7 foot, feet out of position and still make a point. JT Thor's
0: yeah. that guy you're playing pickup with that you beat off the dribble. And you're like, oh, I got this reverse layup, and then all of a sudden you just feel a shadow over it's, your head.
2: It just goes right into the side of the back. It's like board.
3: the it's, it's like the big get... bird and in, uh, in uh, Avatar. You know, yes. you guys remember yes. that movie? <laughs> sure.
2: The uh, yeah, Thor can do that, and and, and Dylan Carwell can get away w- w- away with stuff a lot of times because he's just going to be like whatever he's doing is going to be 200 miles an hour. Like you I know mean, that. If, if you've
3: they've somehow taken Malik's energy, yes. Horace's energy. Uh, Simeon Bowers is uh, sometimes energy uh, when he wasn't, you know, just being Simeon, <laughs> loafing around, uh, and, and combined it into one
0: dude and
3: uh, into a Shaq size body. He's chaotic <laughs> good.
0: He's chaotic good, one hundred percent of the time. Yes,
3: he's, he's like right.
0: he's a lot of. Um, he's got a lot of Montrez Harrell to his game. Yes, sure. I, I say saying that after a guy, I got I, – now that I've watched like three Lakers games this year and like watched a lot of Clippers last year playing the Mavs, a lot of Montrez herald without the – some of the Montrez herald like head head Casey stuff, kind of yeah. like always talking trash constantly.
2: Dylan Carwell no. – He doesn't Car- say a lot. Yeah. Dylan Carwell plays like – he's like Austin Wiley with an addiction to like Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Like yeah, the <laughs> dude just gets fired at all moments. Yeah. Like,
3: I don't get the impression that he trash talks at all. It's no, he's all just like screaming positive energy. at himself. It's yeah. Like it's like a crazy positive energy.
2: I uh, said it. I said it. I said it at one point. He's like, whenever he gets down playing basketball, he can go into professional wrestling. Because the dude is gonna cut a promo. He's gonna bring tremendous energy. He can get the fans on the side. He's walking charisma. Like the fact that he has played his games at Auburn and not in front of a packed house, when he yeah. did the full like Ric Flair thing up the floor, <laughs> like like after the, after taking that charge. We'd still be here in the crowd right now. Over there, yeah. like, it, like that. he did that in
0: front of like fourteen people.
3: It really is yeah. hilarious to think <laughs> and, about that. And and now that you say that, like he's something that teams desperately need right now sure. with no crowd. Instance, a guy, a guy that's just that big ball of energy when you can't get it from anywhere else at the moment. That is is, I mean, priceless.
2: And the funny thing is, is that he's that way. That Carwell's that way. But Chris Moore and, and Stretch Okunbola would be the most energetic dudes on any other team in Division One yeah, basketball. Right, yeah. right. And they're two and three on this game. <laughs> Stretch is I, I played. It, I had it described to me this way: Dylan is the loud one. You know, Stretch is, is, is uh, Stretch is the loud one. Dylan is the hyper one. That was that was okay. what it was. Stretch just <laughs> yells. Stretch is just. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it, Ryan, you were you were at a game.
1: Yeah, I was at the Troy game.
2: Right. I don't know how well you can pick it up on T. Stretch, when he's on the floor, you could hear him anywhere. Like it's just like he is so loud, barking out, barking out stuff. And then you've got Carwell, who when he's sitting on the bench, he's hopping up and down, like 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 jumping over chairs and stuff like that. Like that's I don't just know,
0: him. Stretch has improved so immensely from last from the yeah. the small amount of run he would get last year. I was like, mm, he shouldn't be on the court. This year it's like, oh no, this dude watched like hours of Kevin Garnett videos and now he's on the court just screaming at people and throwing things into the stands. This is, it's unbelievable.
2: Ryan, I know you're in, you know, you you do a lot of stuff even more in depth than I do with with advanced numbers. There was that stretch for a while where like, stretch, (laughs) stretch had one of the best offensive ratings on the team, just period. It's like, He wasn't scoring. It was just Auburn played better when
1: he was on the floor on offense, (laughs) and it was the most mind-boggling thing, and, like, I could never figure it out. Well, it was because he was making every shot he took. He might only take two shots over 20 minutes, but he was making both of them.
2: And and, and the other thing was is he was – Auburn was better as an offense. His offensive rating was so high when they were on the floor. Auburn's offense was so better when he was on the floor because he was getting every offensive rebound. His offensive rebounding is just crazy. And the other thing is – uh, he's top 100 in D1 right now in block percentage. Yeah. Um, for a dude who doesn't play a ton, that's pretty. That's pretty impressive. Um, and yeah, like that can get you some easy buckets on the other end as well. He, that's the um, only thing. This team hasn't even done that yet. They haven't even gotten full court force of turnovers. Get on the break, Auburn. Yet they're getting the basics down and still playing. And for a particularly team that's well.
0: still trying to figure out its offensive game, it is an unbelievably good offensive rebounding team. Yeah. And that's going to be – that's going to pay huge dividends once the team actually is able to connect on second-chance points. And defensive rebounding, a couple of the dudes are, are legitimately elite at mm-hmm. boxing out and getting defensive rebounds, which I mean that's
2: – Which was what Wiley was so good at last year yes. why he was on the floor so much. Austin Justin Wiley was Powell a defensive the rebounding.
1: defensive rebounding right on the team. Watch, yeah, we'll throw that out there.
2: A, he is a, and the other thing, he works hard at it. He cares about it. He's always, he's always crashing the glass. He's also a rebound vulture. If you watch him sometimes, yeah. like he will, yeah. he will, he will swoop in and like grab it because he's like, oh, I'm, you know, I've got a pretty good wingspan. <laughs> like,
0: he's not that Russell Westbrook anymore. Like,
1: I'm, I'm one rebound player from a from a triple double. Let me like, go ah. ahead and take this from you. <laughs> he's this. gonna get a triple double this year. I know it. That's, uh, yeah, I, think I think
0: so too, is. man. I think, I think we're we're really Auburn hasn't had one in a while. Yeah. And so I think that we're, I think we're creeping in on this is the season.
2: There's so much about this team that is still like he, like Bruce said it after the Appalachian State game. Like I got to get Powell more shots. Like I've got there's they're not getting creating on the fast break enough. They're not forcing enough turnovers. They still don't. They still don't have a really consistent inside scoring game this season. And yet, yeah, they're still playing as well. They're going to be there. There are some legitimately really good teams in the SEC this season. Like, I think Auburn's going to play one of them Wednesday night against Ar- with Arkansas, just the way Musselman wants to play offense. They're going to be tough. Tennessee looks just unreal good this year. Uh, Kentucky is still uh, – but, like, <laughs> there are some really good teams in the SEC this year, and Auburn's going to be very annoying to play against. Like, they, yeah. like, like they're like they going to get out-talented. They're never going to get out-manned. They're never going to get out-manned.
3: Like, I, think, I think that's Bruce's whole yeah. goal in life is just to be annoying. Like, yeah. annoy everyone that you play. No one should want to play you because it sucks to play you.
2: So so that's the thing, and, and we can tell this a little bit quickly to, to Harson. is, like, that's Auburn. Like, you're not – Auburn's recruiting really, really well in basketball, and they recruit really, really well in yep. football. You're still, most of the time, you're Auburn. You're not going to get number yep. one, number two, number three recruiting glasses. But what makes Auburn – At their best, if you go back in basketball and in football, their best moments of in recent years, especially, is just when they were so annoying to teams that should have beat them, and they lost to them. And like that's an mo that I think the fan the fan base also needs to embrace a little bit more. Like we talk about how chaos Auburn's a real thing, and like yeah, Auburn also needs to be the team where it's like yeah, we're not we don't have as good recruiting class as you, and you know we don't might not have all the bells and whistles football or basketball, but you know what we're gonna do. We're going to make life really, really difficult for you. And if you don't watch out, we will beat you and make you so mad about it. You will be stewing about it for years. <laughs> like That, that to yeah. me is quintessential Auburn. And Pearl's got it, and I'm really interested to see if Harson's going to tap into that.
0: I just want Harson to beat Nick Saban in ways that make him annoyed. Because Gus, that was my favorite thing about Gus. He was able to beat Nick Saban in ways that annoyed Nick Saban to the point where he wanted to change the rules.
2: Now the thing now is going to be like Gus did that with with Nick. Now Harson's challenge is all right. Continue to do that with Nick. This is why it's going to be really tough. Continue to do that with Nick. Also do this with Kirby Smart. Also do this with Jimbo Fisher. Also do this with you know some of these other some whoever whoever the coach at LSU is going to be, <laughs> like who knows at this point. Um, but that's the other thing. Not to tie, not to go so far back to Harson, but like that's that's the other thing about his like keep everybody off balance, keep everybody shifting, kind of philosophy. Alabama's defense, which is also Georgia's defense by extent, is so complex. Like, they do stuff, and they do it offensively too, Alabama does, but defensively, they do stuff in the secondary and with their blitzes and stuff like that, that NFL teams only do. Like, they run different types of coverages. It's like, that is the only place you're going to see that in college football. The thing about really complex the thing about really complex defenses like that is they can they can really really get tied up in a knot if you if you Florida did a good job against against Georgia this year and they had it for Alabama for a little while where it was like oh crap like we don't know what to do here like this this is it this is irritating this is this is really really annoying and I I wonder how much that's gonna like how much can he tie the Saban tree in knots is going to be the big big it question. just takes a
0: single X wing to go down the uh, the little weird trench on the <laughs> Death Star. <laughs> If I remember correctly, that's, and that
2: X-wing's right. name is JJ Pegues. Exactly. Of oh my God! <laughs> build I'm the whole
0: him. offense out of JJ Pegues Wildcat. If you ask me, I,
3: I wasn't kidding. I bet Harson is like, I can do something with this dude. Because <laughs> if y'all,
2: have, have y'all noticed the thing? The NFL's done it. Um, the they, they Florida did it in the SEC title game, or Florida Alabama did. But that new trend that people are doing where it's like they put a man in motion across the formation and then the guy just stops behind center and takes a snap and does a quick sneak. Yes. And they'll do it with like a slot receiver. Like yeah. Pegues is going to do that. You're going to see J.J. Pegues motion across the formation, turn, catch the ball, <laughs> get the get snap and just try to you he know run just, through someone.
3: He should just always be the short yardage guy. Just direct snap it to him every time. But he just comes
0: in and takes it under center. One
2: of the greatest mysteries mysteries of the 2020 season for Auburn is why the Pegues cat worked so well so early and they never went back to it.
3: Well, same thing as why we did what we did against LSU and then never went back to it.
2: Yeah. So, here you go. Consistency. That's the word. <laughs> if you if you haven't if you haven't heard by every single every single Jay Googe Alan Green letter or yeah Brian Harson press conference clip consistency was a big thing that they were looking for in this that inflaming like, the internet
0: yeah yeah when they're not
3: taking <laughs> piling dumps on uh on, 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 Auburn <laughs> on certain, Twitter <laughs> yeah certain people
2: that I, was the, that Imagine was a lot books. of because I could I could just sit back and be like I'm part of the capital M media, but I'm not part of the lowercase media that you're t- that you're talking to right. <laughs> so, <now."
3: laughs> so the the best part of the 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 uh, press conference, the part Japanes that I was like, oh, know anything,
2: kids. <laughs> uh, well,
3: the best part of the press conference that I, that I was like, wow, he just did that is when he just crapped all over Bill Cameron, and I have no nothing against Bill Cameron. He's a he's a long time uh, radio guy here in Auburn. Yep. Uh, but he Love asked them. a question and and, <laughs> and Brian Harson was not he was just like w- w- why
2: <laughs> he just a big like, up on it. it was, I think he was like he's like oh well, I don't know what the questions are so yeah <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah so that's, <laughs> that's the only thing about Harson that's so interesting to me and 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 we this is why this is such a you know, I'm sure you guys said the same thing whenever you had the reaction to this. This is such a not Auburn move, and this is such a like Alan Green kind. Of, this is a different direction for Auburn football and the Auburn athletics in general, and how it was done and who they picked. But in who they picked, they get a guy in Brian Harson where it's like there's this Auburn has had it throughout most of its history, at least modern history. They've had these coaches that were pretty folksy to an extent. Like Gus yeah. was a nice guy, you know, Gene Chiswick, nice guy, Tubbs. You know, everybody had their opinion about Tubbs and kind of his work work ethic and stuff like that. But Tubbs is Tubbs. You know, Terry Bowden was the golden boy, like all this stuff. Now yeah. you have a dude who comes in who's just like he's like I. I said this the other day to somebody. He's like, I, I've got to learn how to ask questions better because this dude will yeah. throw it back in my face. Yeah. yeah. Especially over Zoom when he doesn't have to necessarily yeah. look at me. And I also I don't think he would care if he did have to look at me, which he, is respect, he reminded respect me now. like.
0: Need any of that? I think less of. I think because my, but well, my paradigm of a football coach has been shaped by Auburn football, and like you said, the yeah. coat of tubs saying things like, "It was Arkansas Toad Strangler on a rainy day" or whatever nonsense like that. From not me. A
2: folksy dude, he's from the middle of nowhere, but he ain't folksy.
0: This dude reminds yeah. me more of like a Silicon Valley CEO, where he's just like, uh, I I've had six Red Bulls this morning. I've got fourteen meetings before noon. What is this question? I don't have he's, time for this.
2: He is he's he, very much a process-oriented yeah, guy. It's, it's always NFL-ish in the way it's approached.
3: He reminds me of Nick Saban with a little more personality. Um, yeah. And he's not quite as ordinary. Too. Yes. <laughs> he could kick Nick Saban's ass. I think we what can about, all what what safely I say I'm that.
1: Safe. We, uh, we've
2: got you, folks.
3: <laughs> but he does remind me of him. He, he's not as prickly yet. Uh, we'll, we'll see.
2: Wait till that first loss. Yeah, I'm we'll not, see. Like it's it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be because this is this is uncharted territory for so many people, including us, including including people who have to deal with, including him. Including him. He lost yeah.
0: nineteen games in seven years. <laughs>
2: Hello, now you have to play the toughest schedule in America. This is you like the, the best, best team in your conference.
0: I can't remember who was on Twitter who was like, "There's this rumors out there that that Urban Meyer is being shot for NFL jobs," <laughs> and this the guy J- was like, "This guy." almost died when he lost two games at Florida. What is he yeah. going to do on a four-win NFL team? Like, yeah, th- these guys aren't cut out for that. No.
2: Yeah, I, I just imagine Urban Meyer, like, having to go to a press conference, like, say he's the Jags head coach, and I hope he's not because I, I have friends who are Jags fans and I wish better for them to have Urban Meyer be their head coach. <laughs> but, like, I can just imagine Urban Meyer, like, coming into a press conference on, like, an early November Sunday afternoon and he's just like staring holes through the podium because they gave up 235 Russian yards. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing you could have done about it. Like they like, it will be one of those games where it's like, Der- it's one of those games where Derek Henry is like, I can tell you exactly where I'm running. I'm going to tell you exactly who I'm going to run into. And he's not going to get me. So it doesn't matter. And like urban Myers is just sitting there just being like, and then you have, yeah, and it's not in the the face of the NFL where, like, if you lose enough, like, it's actually a good thing. Like, the Jags, good yeah. job you lost that much. The Falcons, young Hoku, best kicker in the league this season, puts one <laughs> puts one right, wide right, and it's like, yay! <laughs> good job. Like, yeah, Urban Meyer is, like, chewing glass on the sidelines. Yeah, not cut out for that. It's a whole lot of
3: sad oh. Papa John's pizza. Exactly. Yeah. Fans.
0: I just hope that, uh, I hope that Brian Harson is, is... More well-adjusted as a human to be able to handle a three-loss, four-loss season. He hasn't had many of those, right? And he might well, have one this year. And I hope that Auburn Twitter is okay with a eight and three, or eight and four a year um, with a Citrus Bowl game. To see I, in Northwestern I, next year. Be,
2: there'll be
1: more.
0: Uh, That's receptive the Verbo uh, uh, that.
1: Bowl, actually.
2: Auburn, Iowa.
0: <laughs> I mean, we're going to play a Big Ten team in Florida Central
1: next Florida. next year.
0: I mean, that's Wisconsin. just the way it's going to be.
3: Well, lucky for him, the schedule does line up as favorably as it c- can if you're Auburn yep. for yep. him. so Hopefully and, you know, we're playing
2: it. A- your expectations has never been a problem at Auburn. Like, that's, yeah. never, that's never been a thing that anyone's ever had to deal with. I you really know, hope
0: so- they up make the Cotton Bowl next year in this first year because I'd like to go to a game. <laughs>
2: with everyone las vegas bowl <laughs> auburn needs to get out of the florida bowls yes stay away from you know music city whatever auburn God, arizona
0: gonna... state las vegas I'm... bowl what a party
2: what are the, the top, uh... texas bowl i'm fine yeah. with that what are the or
3: six sure. bowls next year That's
2: like, what i'm looking
3: what... up now yeah
2: mm-hmm. i don't know a, the Rose Bowl in Texas this year will be fun.
0: This is a free podcast. Oh, yeah, hey, next right. year
1: Cotton Bowl semifinal. Oh, there you we go. Leave.
2: There
1: we go.
0: So I do hope you wait the Cotton Bowl.
1: Patrick Davis done losing Texas. When's the next time. when's the next time
3: Miami uh, the Orange Bowl is a uh, is one of these. Yeah, next semifinal. Year. Yeah, oh, Cotton s- and Orange go together. Sweet mother, that's what I want.
0: Sorry, crow.
2: That'd be a lot of fun. I'm just saying, if they got to go to a standard bowl, go to the Vegas Bowl and play a Pac-12 team. Yeah. Auburn yeah. versus Arizona State. Herm Edwards versus
0: Brian Harson. Give me Herm Edwards versus Brian Harson in Las Vegas. Let's
2: get
1: when, weird.
2: Uh, Daniel tells. Can you imagine <laughs> can you imagine trying to explain Auburn's mascot situation to Herm Edwards? Where he's just like no. he's just like, so they're the Tigers and then the but well, they got an Eagle and a Now hold hold on now, hold on now.
0: I met Bo Jackson once. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Oh, Crow, you missed the press conference. There was a Bo Jackson, like,
0: we've met Bo Jackson before in
3: yes. the Rand- press
0: conference.
2: Random story, too. Like, it was yeah. really
0: off the wall. We had Bo Jackson come speak. I read that he had Bo Jackson come speak to Boise, and that was like yeah. the seed of Auburn was planted.
3: On the day, his running backs coach was like, hey, if I could get Bo Jackson to come talk to the team,
0: uh, would you want me to do it?
2: <laughs> he was like, he was, oh, yeah, get Bo Jackson to come, come talk to the team. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He I don't know, here's like, uh, the, the entire state of Idaho is where Bo probably spends half the year and doesn't tell anybody. Yeah. Bo's so. in town hunting a, a couple of elk he's been tracking.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. The, the on foot. On foot. On foot through, from Wyoming. So we know Bo was on the advisory committee, whatever you want to call it, right. but he wasn't part of the group that was in doing the actual interviews. So I can just imagine Bo on that Zoom if he was in a Zoom or whatever where he just like puts in like he was like I talked to Brian Harson's team last year, he's really good and then just logs off.
0: We talked about the Bo Jackson (laughs) Zoom call. (laughs) The Bo Jackson Zoom call was a consistent theme on our Slack of the of Bo is just on mute making arrows. Yeah. He can't, for
3: some reason, he can't figure out the video. It just yeah. won't work, guys. And then,
0: and then he Which takes is... himself off mute, and he consistently just makes fun of everybody, thinking he's still on mute. Like, oh yeah, there's this <laughs> guy talking again. He keeps <laughs> making have, arrows.
2: Happened multiple times on Auburn beat zooms this year. I <laughs> <laughs> don't find that hard to believe. Apparently,
3: yeah. uh, that really did was the case with Quentin Riggins. He couldn't get he couldn't get the video working. So I can't get the video to work. <laughs> yeah, also, just, Crow. You know, <laughs> uh, apparently, Alan Green and Brian Harson met in a pool.
0: Yeah, I, I read that story too. Apparently, they met in a pool at a hotel somewhere. He
2: doesn't at a no, conference, a, some sort of conference. Doesn't want to give any more details. Yeah, that was, weird, that was a weird. That was weird quote. I don't give more details. All right, dog. What kind of conference was this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like AFCA. Yeah, where it's just like. It, where it's like, okay, you were just randomly there. Uh, AFC is usually in winter, though. I don't know, man. Like, oh, there's a lot run, of details that like he could have given
0: that make that. Like that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot <laughs> there's of drag... details he could have given that make it a lot, a lot less weird. Like, if they <laughs> yeah, yeah, met yeah. at a pool we were at a hotel, we were at the hotel. We, were at a hotel. Was, we were at a Disney World summertime. There with our kids. Was it a Trump yeah. convention? Like, yeah. what, <laughs> what was this? <laughs> <laughs> I saw him at a hotel. I saw him at the hotel pool. I was there. I don't know. It was it was this thing we do for our dogs. We're really good at. We like to <laughs> we like to cut the hair of our dogs to look like cool shapes. I don't know. It's a whole yeah.
1: thing, All right, like Alan, so yeah, Chip, Bruce is the one that brings like, you all together. Got it.
2: <laughs> so here's the thing:
1: <laughs> They're just, science, they're just, both Scientologists.
0: That's what we uh, remember? That was Chief's rumors that he's signed that Brian Harson's oh, oh, a Scientologist.
3: I thought I thought maybe Jehovah's Witnesses there for a second since yeah. they were like, Yeah, we're gonna we're we're leaving town on Christmas. We don't celebrate <laughs> so Brian,
2: Ar- Brian Harson opens the story, he's like, All right, so we're at E3 and <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, what
0: Alan Green comes up, he tells me he's completely clear. He's gone clear, no feedings.
2: Oh, <laughs> Alan Green enters the pool in full Final Fantasy cosplay. I don't know why it's <laughs> yeah. <is> happening, but <laughs> oh, he has man. brought a giant sword <laughs> into the pool, and he wants to talk about college football.
3: It was like five years ago, so Alan Green was not Auburn's athletic director. Like
2: I thought, he'd been Buffalo's by then. Yeah, that's, that's
0: he was wild. at Ole Miss for a bit too. That was like the rumor that like he was at Ole Miss when Ole Miss was having to dodge NCAA questions. Oh, Alan Green was, yeah.
2: That oh, was part of the u thing.
0: Yeah, he was an assistant AD
2: under he, the Houston.
1: So five years ago is when he took the Buffalo job, but he was the deputy deputy AD at Buffalo before that. So
2: okay. Danny White was at Buffalo, and it ended up being the UCF yeah. AD, the deputy AD. <laughs>
3: <Yes>. <laughs>
2: he had a badge
0: and everything. Yeah, <laughs> oh, man.
3: They were in Vegas. They were. It yeah. Was a, it was, yeah, it was. Yeah, they a, they didn't say where no. this convention was either.
0: So. They really should have just given one more detail. It was a was coach's it, convention.
3: Was it the AVN Awards? Is that yes. what this was? <laughs>
2: yeah. was See? I was That was the one I was waiting for like, <laughs> someone, to, someone to throw in. And I was like, I'm gonna, I gonna—I think E3 is as far as I want to go on this one. And then I just, mean, maybe, maybe, the they bo-
3: maybe they weren't there for the convention. Maybe they were just in <laughs> Vegas. But...
2: Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's like when you go to it's like when you go to Disney World and your and your you know your mom doesn't check like what what what, uh, yeah. what <laughs> at, and you walk up and you're like like we did this one time and it no, nothing bad or anything but like we we did we did the only time I've ever been to Disney World it was Canadian Thanksgiving so like I'm pretty sure we were the only Americans there <laughs> and it was like all right yeah, everybody's talking about like you know just how how just how hot it was I was like it's like 60 degrees outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I'm sweating I'm like you are okay. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: alright guys that was a good podcast thanks Justin for coming on we really got a lot done today hopefully, hopefully we learned something hopefully uh, we gained some insight into the universe and into Auburn sports Chief always a pleasure Ryan likewise uh-huh. adios